This is Agents Influence Podcast. A place where we think workers comp fits really well is particularly with new producers. You want to go out and sell property insurance or most other kinds of insurance. The variations in that are innumerable. When someone falls off a ladder in your town, they get paid the same whether they're with company A or company B because those benefits are statutory. It's not that workers comp is simple. Uh, It's not. It gives you a simple runway where you can dive into those details of their business without having to get deep in the weeds of what the coverage is and build your expertise from there. I'm Jason Cass and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right, all right, loyal listeners. Welcome to Agents Influence Conversations with who? Jason Cass. That's me rocking the microphone again. And thank you very much for being back with me. It is January 12th of 2021. Um, I don't know exactly when you're listening to this. As you know, loyal listeners, it's 901 in the morning. That's when Cass records. Um, you're probably listening to this, I think, probably in about March, maybe, right at the end of February. We're way booked out. And I tell you what, Kevin, I don't really want to talk about society and our personal and our country's issues, but I wish I could kind of fast forward to when this the, this podcast is coming out. So, so I'm interested in seeing where we are, and I think uh, I think tempers are going to be a lot less flared. We can only hope that as loyal listeners, as you're listening to this right now, you're thinking, boy, Jason was completely wrong or Jason was completely right. I don't care. I just hope that our tempers are calmed down. Don't you agree, Kevin? Oh, there's uh, there's no question. And the good news is that uh, we're in a great business where there's a, a ton of opportunity. And come on, we can we can afford to not necessarily filter it out of our personal lives, but our, our professional lives for sure. Before I get on with Kevin so that we can dissect and get and do what we do here at Agents Influence, I want to remind you guys about something. Check out WeGotYourPodcast.com. WeGotYourPodcast.com. We we are, oh my gosh, I really don't even truly know. Last I knew it was 12 or 13 shows. We're hosting almost, I would say, 20. Not 20, but no more than 15. Um, Kelly Donahue-Piro, you may see her new podcast that's out there. That's something we're hosting. You may be, you've probably already noticed this and listened to this. Ryan Hanley has moved his show onto the Agents Influence platform platform or agency intelligence platform, Caitlin Agar, Josh Lipstone. Now, those are people who are on our platform. Probably around the time you're hearing this, you may not have realized that we are producing a podcast every day, even on Sunday, only exception is on Saturday, we're not, um, through the agency intelligence. And then over at We Got Your Podcast, we are managing about 15 more podcasts over there that you probably don't realize, but we're putting out for those people and they are excelling at what they're doing. And that's why I created wegotyourpodcast.com. Be sure to go there. Wegotyourpodcast.com. Check it out and you can see all the services that we do. We specialize in the insurance industry, but we just got our first couple CPAs out of New York. So we're doing a lot of different things. All we need you to do is record. We'll take it from there because we got your podcast just like we got your back. Check us out. Wegotyourpodcast.com. I promise it's awesome. Awesome. Kevin Ring, welcome to Agents Influence, my friend. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. 
All disclosures, loyal listeners, I call him my friend, and and we don't know. This is, I think, the second time we've talked to each other. The first time, though, was just to kind of get this thing wrapped up. I always like to let my loyal listeners know if you're a close friend or not. And I and I think that we're going to really, um, we're getting ready to lay some some serious practical advice for all the loyal listeners. Would you not agree, Kevin? Well, that's uh, that's exactly what uh, what we're in the business of doing. That's right. That's exactly right. Whether it's to our clients or we're teaching other agents. You know, being in the clouds is good. Vision is awesome. But in the dirt is where real shit happens. So I'm with you on that. Kevin, you ready? Let's do it. Kevin, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? Uh, iPhone. iPhone. My buddies hate when I do this. Wah, wah, wah. I do that a lot um, because I'm a heavy Droid user. About 93% of those are iPhone users. So you are part of the majority. What's the last app that you downloaded? Uh, Google Authenticator for two-factor authentication. Oh, Damn, Kevin came right out like he knows. Like, would you download that like five minutes ago? No, like yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I had ah. to uh, had to set it up for uh, for an account that I have. So it's a boring, uh, boring thing. No, nah, it's not. It's life. We all need people like you because we're too dumb that we need your boring ed- expertise. And we don't find it boring. We find it very helpful, especially at our agency. And I think a lot of agencies do out there. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Oh, I think everybody hates to lose more than they love to win. The studies have shown that. And if you go into a casino and watch people play blackjack, you can see it. Uh, you can you can see that play out. The, but, the, the emotions. Kevin, wouldn't you say that because they keep throwing all their money away, they love to win, right? Oh, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I think uh, I think everybody hates to lose, and I think that can absolutely motivate you to uh, to Keep want going. to win. Very and, true. and I think that, uh, the producers we work with and the ones I see be really successful, um, work really hard to avoid losing. You know, when you start talking about, um, you know, qualifying prospects and not getting yourself knee deep in opportunities that, that you don't have a really high probability of winning. Love that. Love that, Kevin. They know that you're a rock star already because we talk about that all the time. You should probably say no to more people than you say yes. I guarantee you that. And that is true. Kevin, last one. Um, If there are two things in the world that got you to where you are, one was luck, one was skill. What would you say has been a bigger influence in your life? Um, You know, there's, there's been an awful lot of luck if you want to define that as being, you know, in the right place at the right time and knowing the right people. And I think uh, most people who have had some degree of success in their life would say that, uh, you know, having the right people to, to pick them up at the right times has been uh, incredibly, uh, incredibly important. But I think uh, the biggest key to my success is uh, having been a student in, in what I do, which uh, my teachers in school would find remarkable because I wasn't as much of a student then. Uh, but you know, when when I decided almost 20 years ago to to get deep into this, uh, I've got deep, and there's a lot of value in that. You know, specializing, and and that's true for agents as well. Whether it's specializing in a you know particular type of coverage, or uh, more commonly, what I see is people specializing in a particular industry where they become industry insiders instead of trying to write every different kind of business. If you can really understand what people in a specific industry are dealing with, uh, you can help them far beyond their insurance problems. 
Okay, well, it makes you an expert, that's for sure. I mean, there, there's no doubt of that. And I think that's what you're talking about. I also think that, you know, if you've only been in the business six, seven months and you can master some of these skills, it takes away the fact that somebody who's sitting on that account for the last 25 years who hasn't done anything to it allows you to provide value and do different things that they really don't give a crap if you've been in the business six months or seven months. Sometimes just by the way you're talking when you're trying to provide value and figure out what their pain points are, they don't really care. They're thinking this person kind of knows. But I think also, Kevin, something that I want to talk about later in this thing is that it makes us professional. You don't go to your podiatrist and they in to talk about your heart. But yeah, yes, in, but, but as independent insurance agents, we answer the phone. We're here to help you with all your insurance needs. That's not how professionals do. Right. No, I agree. And going back to what you were saying about someone who's been in the business not very long, it's one of the things that that we think a niche, a place where we think workers' comp fits really well. Uh, is particularly with new producers because uh, you know if you want to go out and sell property insurance or or most other kinds of insurance the 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 variations in that are innumerable. Different companies have different supplemental apps. They offer different limits. They offer different coverages. Uh, but guess what? Every single company you work with offers the exact same workers' comp policy. When someone mm -hmm. falls off a ladder in your town, they get paid the same whether they're with company A or company B, because those benefits are uh, are statutory. And so it gives you a, it's not that workers comp is simple, uh, it's not, but it gives you a simple runway where you can dive into those details of their business without having to get deep in the weeds of, of what the coverage is and build your expertise from there. But I agree 100% on the specializing thing. And it's, it's the same thing with you know, doctors and CPAs and, you know, you know, it's it's something people don't expect from insurance agents. And, and we certainly think they should. And it sounds like you do, too. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. You and I are on the same page. That's what was that was the attraction of reaching out to you uh, was that, hey, me and this guy can have a, just a talk. So let's get the loyal listeners to relate. I think you can understand loyal listeners already at this time that this is what we're going to talk about. It's going to get practical. It's going to get heavy. We're going to move you because keep in mind, if you're not feeling uncomfortable, Kevin and I aren't doing our job because we want you to grow by this podcast. Kevin, take us back to high school or college. Bring us forward to where you are now in about three to four minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I went to North Carolina State. Um, they certainly don't have any plaques uh, celebrating my achievements there. I was I was very <laughs> fortunate um, to wind up with a uh, with a good IT job on campus. So I have a, a background in IT. We were talking about this just before we, we got started. Uh, and when uh, when the Institute was founded in 2001, I wound up kind of being a unofficial IT guy for a couple of years. And I came on um, full time in 2003. Initially, uh, as the company was growing to, you know, install a CRM, maintain the website, all that boring stuff that okay. happened. Uh, and then, you know, over time, well, and, and it's interesting, uh, my father-in-law, who I work with and, and who hired me, told me when he hired me as an IT guy, one component of taking this job is you have to get your insurance license. And I was like, well, that's weird, but whatever, you know, getting your insurance license isn't like, you know, getting your law degree. So I, I went and I tackled that and uh, and went along, went about my business and over time started to uh, learn more and more about you know, what workers' comp is and how it works, and um, reading and and you know going to the workshops that we were offering. And uh, in 2008, 
joined the faculty of the institute, and we've been uh, trucking along uh, ever since. I mean, it's a it's a fairly boring story. Um, no explosions or jumping off of buildings or anything like that. Just uh, we get growing, enough of those. Growing, okay. growing in the business, and um, you know, just like I said, getting really deep and and specializing in one thing. So Kevin, so loyal listeners, um, I hope you can bring that up. And, and, and really, Kevin, that was a pretty boring ass story, um, but that's okay. No, I'm joking. Hey, everybody's story is their story. You know what I mean? And sometimes the most interesting guys, when you peel back the onion, are the most interesting. They're the ones that are head down working. They're not trying to be like Cass and be everywhere, you know? So good for you, Kevin. Now, Kevin Ring, um, I want you guys to know if you didn't get a chance to see it because you just knew Cass was on and you hit play, uh, helping independent agents crush their worker or client workers compensation costs. Um, he's an expert wellness as well. I got that from LinkedIn. You can find that. You can go out there and see that yourself. But, you know, the Institute of Work Comp Professionals trains and certifies independent insurance agents and their support staff to navigate the complicated workers' compensation system. Now, to me, that just is a no-brainer because when I go and talk to my clients, the number one thing, if you ask them they have a problem with, is their work comp costs are too high. So if that happens to be one of their main things that triggers, why would I not start attacking that? The other thing I love about workers' comp, uh, Kevin, is, is that a lot of times in property insurance and a lot of other insurance, what we we're, a lot of times agents will be focused on that and why that's important. That's what those people could recoup if they had a loss. Where I like workers' comp is, is this is what you can keep yourself by not paying out because of a loss. Right. And so that's a major difference on who's paying and how you're recouping. So sometimes I think that's one of the things. Cole Williams, a buddy of mine out there, he is a, a um, he is in the meat industry. Okay. So he at packaging houses, any of that stuff, but he doesn't lead with workers' comp. And the reason he doesn't lead with workers' comp is because all of his competitors do. And so he uses the opposite of what I said, that he talks about the things where you actually are making sure that you're going to recoup the most amount of money for the premium you pay. One of the things that I like about workers' comp, and I'm going to turn this over, Kevin, I want to get your thoughts on this. One of the things I love about workers' comp, it's the actual only policy that you control the costs. I'm kind of stuck unless I take deductibles or less in coverage on a property policy, you know, or an auto policy, but I don't have much control over those costs. And you know how us agents do with some credit, but on workers comp, I can educate the client on their business practices of their facility to not only better them, but to actually put like severe effing dollars in people's pockets. Kevin, what say you? All of that's exactly right. And it starts with how agents are trained and how our industry is trained. You customers. are right. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to, to my story, when I got my insurance license in North Carolina at the time, so this is, you know, 2002, 2003, I was able to just go to a, a CE or not a CE, a pre-licensing guy, pay some amount of money and get a three inch thick book to study for my insurance license. I mean, the book was literally, you know, five, 600 pages and about 20 of it was on workers comp. About 300 of it was on the 400 different homeowners forms, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, workers, we, we treat it, the industry treats workers comp as workers comp as workers comp and there's nothing you can do about it. The number of times I've talked to, to agents who said, you know, I talked to a business owner and you know, they had this problem and their current agent told them, you know, there was nothing they could do. Uh, and and we know uh, that that's not true. But so many agents walk in and they say, hey, can I give you a quote? They take the deck sheet from uh, from the client 
They copy down the class codes that are on the existing policy Come and on. they and they submit it. And and that's where the problem begins. I mean, ignoring all the stuff that you said, which is absolutely right, and about what they can do correctly, the number, you know, I, I say all the time, you know, that's like cheating off the guy you know fails all the tests. Don't walk in the door and tell this business owner that you're better than your com- competitor and then copy his work. You know, in in most states, there's north of 600 different classifications. Now, Pennsylvania and Delaware are a little bit different, but in, in the NCCI states and in California, there's more than 600 classifications. And those classifications change. I had a long conversation yesterday with someone about a change in 2021 to how construction estimators are classified. And on top of classifications changing, businesses change. And this is something we've been talking a lot about with the pandemic. Um, businesses have pivoted. You know, maybe now your restaurant client is doing delivery and they're not using like a DoorDash or whatever for delivery. Do they, you know, do they have that class code? Um, you know, uh, distillers who had who shut down their distillery and are making hand sanitizer is that a different classification because it's right. a, a different product um, and so what we find is too many agents who don't really actually understand the business their clients are in you know they look on the website they they read a paragraph they you know whatever and they're like oh well they do this thing well do they really is there a classification that better describes mm-hmm. that? And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think there's a better classification, what tools do you have to sell an underwriter on the fact that that's a better class code? Because in most states, California, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware accepted, uh, in most states, the classification is set as a result of a negotiation between the insurance company and the agent and the business owner. And so your ability to to make those arguments to help your client understand, you know, how they should be classified uh, is, is critically important and, and can set you apart right away. Cause that's not something you don't need any, if they give you their deck sheets, you know how they're classified. You're not having to get a letter of authorization to get their mod worksheet. You're not having to, you know, have them bug the incumbent agent for loss runs. You can know straight away if, if things are likely being done correctly. So that is a great way to start picking at some of the things that, you know, this is, you know, when you do that, loyal listeners, I mean, what Kevin is saying is, is when you do that, you start to separate the agent from their, from the, the incumbent from the client. And you're not even, you know, you're not supposed to down agents. You're not supposed to down companies. And that's great. That's that's a 100% business practice. But that's what you're doing here. You're basically saying, hey, I just on initial review here, I'm looking at what you're doing and what you're telling me you're doing based on what this deck sheet says. It's like kind of two different things. Can we dig deeper there? The immediate thing that that business owner is thinking is, oh my God, I don't want to be bugged. That's what the agents think. Like, oh man, I, uh, no, the client's going, this is my business. This is my baby. And what do you mean that somebody couldn't possibly cover? Let's dig deeper into that. I think that's interesting. That is not something that I normally go after. That's something that I see and that'll something I'll pin it on later, which once again, you're not saying that this is the process. You're just giving one of the right, things that you that's see. That's just one one right. way in. And and br- more broadly, what you're saying is that there's a tremendous value in 
asking questions that they've never been asked before. There you go. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual intel, that's with two L's, that's virtual I-N-T-E-L-L, Com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel. Cast certified. And it, and it can be in classifications. It can be, you know, something as simple as, you know, if you are looking at a loss run, or it's, it, you can do it with a mod worksheet, but you don't have a name, obviously, on a mod worksheet. But if you just ask them, tell me about what happened with Bob Smith. What happened when he got hurt? You know, those are questions they've probably never been asked, but are so incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and they might say, I have, I have no idea what happened, which which, you know, what better way to throw the incumbent agent under the bus is the insurance company just spent 10, 20, 50, $100,000 of your money and you don't know where it went. Mm -hmm. You -hmm. you don't know what happened. You don't know what doctor they went to. You don't know why they were were out of work for for six weeks. And I'm sitting in a $400,000 account, Kevin is, and you're sitting there wanting to say to the insured, the guy who's supposed to be tracking and doing this for you, the gal, the person, the agency, is making about seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars. Did you know that you had a safety coordinator at your business that was doing that? Because I would advise that that you would have somebody doing that. But I'm also telling you that none of this stuff is being done that you're talking about, Kevin. Right? Right. And and just you know, when they answer that question, you know, they don't know, or that you know, oh well, he got hurt and he immediately went to an attorney. Well, there's probably you know, some culture problems or, yep. or, or something with wrong with how the employer is, uh, is managing things, you know, so often uh, someone gets hurt in a business and, you know, the supervisor, whoever they talk to just says, go to the doctor. And the next time they talk to them is when they come back to work God. and, and they've never been educated on how they can communicate, how they should communicate the rights that they have in terms of, pointing people towards a doctor, which in most states you can mandate what doctor they go to, at least initially in other states like, you know, Illinois is the most stringent where you can't, you can hardly even say the word doctor in front of someone officially. Um, but you know, you send them to the right doctor and then you know, do you have a relationship at the agency with that doctor? Cause the doctor controls everything. 
You know, we've all, you know, if you've written workers comp for any period of time, you've seen someone who's gotten like a scratch on their hand and they're out of work for three weeks. Yep. And, and there's no, there's no excuse for it. But the problem is that employers aren't communicating with doctors saying, you know, send them back. We will find them work to do because when someone is at work, even if they aren't at full capacity, they're not watching TV and, and we're filming this or recording this in the middle of the day. If you were to go turn that TV that's behind you on to local channel, every commercial break is going to have an attorney. In. That's right. What, and what do those attorneys say? Those attorneys say, we love you. We care about you. We're going to get you, you been hurt? with your own. Right. And, and as, as employers and as agents helping those employers, we have the opportunity to communicate those same things before the attorneys get get into their brain and so we can help keep those attorneys out of our clients wallets and that's something that's set up at the beginning trying to set that up later is where we have the issue you know there's a lot of things in life i don't know like sports and all kinds of stuff basically everybody plays by the rules you just got to set the rules before the game starts, right? And right. that is some of the problem that we have here is that no one's having that relationship. No one's trying to develop that up front. No one's trying to let them understand the safety culture. And there's things that we could go into there. But most agents, when they see a high mod, here's the conversation they have with the client. Looks like your mod went up. I think that was due to some losses that you had. They can't even pinpoint the exact losses, even though they have the damn because they're the incumbent. You know, here's what we need to do. We just need to start practicing better on getting safety. You know, safety's got to become more of a priority. Can we do that, Jim? Okay, yeah, I think yeah, over time, you know, because the agent knows that if he gets lucky and they don't have uh, claims for a year or two, the mod's going to go down and it looks like that he or she was correct. I, I just don't think, you know, one of the things we find, I want to ask you this question, Kevin. We we use this number because we are probably within 10% and we don't know because we haven't actually studied it like some of you and you, you and your people do. But what is the, um, okay, I got actually two questions that I want to ask you. I have heard that there is a direct correlation between the time the claim happens and when it's turned in. That you can look at claims and if it's turned in on the same day it happened versus five days later, a year later or months later, you can look back at that claim and know overall that those ones that are turned in later from the claim, the farther they get, usually the more expensive they are. Is that true or not? Yes, that's definitely true. Uh, there are two studies that I would look at. Uh, one uh, is a Hartford study, which is is fairly dated, but several, gosh, probably 10 plus years ago, the Hartford uh, did a study where they controlled for everything uh, except for lag time, right? Which is what you're talking about, the distance mm -hmm. between you know, when the claim happens and when it's reported. And what they found was, so the zero day, the day of the claim was, I think, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was actually, I know where I have the numbers in front of me because I happen to have it um, right here from something I was working on earlier. Um, it was like 17% more expensive on the zero day. And then they looked at the first week. Um, the first week after the claim was reported uh, is the is the average. So that's 1.0. Then you get into the second week is 18% more expensive. The third week is 29% more expensive. Once you get a month out, 45% more for, for claim, just a claim cost controlling for everything but lag time. More recently, and this is still on NCCI's website, NCCI did a, a much deeper analysis the way that NCCI does. 
Um, and, and NCCI, I don't know how many people realize this, but they are and have been for several years now collecting data on every single medical bill that gets paid. If an wow. insurance, if insurance company writes a check, they know uh, what diagnosis code it was for, uh, what the treatment was, and obviously they know what claim. And then all of that gets mushed into a giant database and then they can they can start to measure you know, in Illinois, when someone sprains their ankle, it costs this much. In in North Carolina, mm-hmm. it costs this much. Uh, gotcha. And they're starting and they're starting to do that with indemnity payments as well. I think they started that last year, the year before. It's going to be another year or two before we have anything out of there. But they they studied the lag time issue, uh, and I always use the Hartford in in when when we teach. I use the Hartford study because it's simple. Uh, NCCI's is much more nuanced, but it found effectively the same thing that when an injury is reported later, it gets more expensive. And, you know, I I think it's not hard to to understand why, you know, for those of us who have ever wrenched our back, you know, imagine your job is picking up a box and one day, you know, you kind of do something to your back, but you don't want to complain about it. So you just keep on trucking and, and over time it gets worse. You're, you're uh, compensating for it. So now you're lifting differently. You're putting other parts of your body at risk. And now it's three or four weeks later and you've really hurt something. We're taking two or three days to, to rest initially would have dealt with it. Now, you know, if you need mm-hmm. more time out, you know, God forbid you need surgery or something like that. So that's a hundred percent a thing. And that, you know, if anybody wants to dig into it, uh, I'll send you a link to that NCCI study. Uh, and that, and that's, that's where you educate, right? We have incidences, we have accidents. We can learn a lot from maybe incidents. Maybe that person wasn't hurt, but it's a good thing to know for the employer because, Hey, how do we not make that happen again? You may have not have been seriously injured, but the next person who does it really does. Let me ask you one more um, thing that I hear. Um, we are within 10% here is, is this is the thing I was going to is when the mod is calculated, we have found out that 50 to 60% of the time, the mod sheet is wrong because the numbers that have been sent from the carrier are usually not matching up when it comes to payroll numbers. And then sometimes that throws the whole mod off. And I mean, you can have a, you can have a person for two, three years that's paying five, 10, 20% more or have a higher mod only because some of those numbers were incorrectly reported. Would that be wrong or right to say, Kevin? Um, I don't, Here's what I'll say. Um, okay. Let's let's go further back because right the mod the mods a report card, right? The mod is the the sum total of your premium audit, which is your classifications and your payrolls, uh, and your employee injuries. Um, it is relatively infrequent nowadays. I mean, if you go back to the beginning days of the institute when unit stat cards were still submitted, at least by some carriers, uh, manually. There were actually humans at the rating bureau typing these numbers in after the insurance company sent them. It wasn't all that unusual to see, you know, a $10,000 claim show up as $100,000. You know, those mistakes don't happen anymore. This is everything is transmitted electronically. But if you step back to the audit, some meaningful number of businesses are just flat misclassified. Uh, Then it's it's our estimation that north of 75% of all premium audits are incorrect. And the biggest source of those mistakes is that clients don't know how to keep the records. You know, a simple example, and this is one most people get right, most one auditors know about, is is overtime. The halftime portion of overtime 
is excluded from the premium audit with the exception of the state of Pennsylvania. But if the auditor shows up and you can't show them how, where that overtime money sits, where you know, separate it out, they can't exclude it. And there's uh, 17 or so different items, depending on the state, uh, of things, money and substitutes for money that you give your employees uh, that don't count for workers' compensation. And this is going to be an even bigger issue in 2021 as all of the rating bureaus have some sort of special treatment for excluding pay for paid furloughed employees. I've already seen at least one instance where an auditor completely missed about a quarter million dollars in paid furlough payroll where employees were being paid where they weren't working as a result of the pandemic. And how does that work real quick? I want you to hold that story. Please hold that. How does that work? Is it lesser rate since they're um, really not working, but they are? Uh, so in NCCI, in most jurisdictions, they're putting it in a code they've created called 0012. It carries no rate. Uh, in New York, they've created, I think it's 8873, which carries the same rate as clerical. Uh, they're not excluding it entirely. Uh, but in... I want to say in every state, I, that, that could not be 100% correct, but for sure in the 36 NCCI states, North Carolina, Indiana, California, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, for sure, uh, they're excluding that payroll entirely. Uh, and hmm, so know. if you were paying employees, you know, if you were a restaurant and you had to shut down for some period of time and you continued to pay your people through that shutdown, you don't have to pay premium on that. And, but if you don't, if you can't show the auditor that that's what that money was for, you're going to pay full freight. And so, and, and certainly auditors make mistakes. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, officers who were excluded, you know, getting added back in because they, they aren't properly identified as executive officers. You know, you have those kinds of mistakes, but mistakes happen all the time in the premium audit. And that leads to the experience not mod not being what it should. You know, going back to what we were talking about with uh, with employee injuries, you have a huge problem uh, in most NCCI states. Uh, this is not true in California, Pennsylvania, Delaware. Uh, in most NCCI states, when an injury is medical only, so there's no indemnity, lost wage payments, uh, either paid or reserved, that injury gets a 70% discount on the mod. So right. going back to, to talking to your clients, you know, you know, oh, well, you know, the doctor said, you know, he needed to, to rest for seven days. Well, guess what? You know, now you're that guy got a hundred dollar check from the insurance company and that seven thousand dollar injury uh, is going to cost you a massive amount of money where it could have, have cost you just uh, just a little bit. Um, you do occasionally see issues where uh and, and agents who are proactive are the ones that are going to find this, where they're they're communicating with adjusters. And you know, there's a there's a day where the insurance company sends all that information to the bureau. And let's say that day is is tomorrow, whatever tomorrow is when you're listening to this. If that day is tomorrow, and you talk to an adjuster today, and that adjuster says, "Yes, I'm going to close this claim out," but they don't do it until day after tomorrow. If that information gets sent to the bureau, it's locked in with the exception of a few states which have an aggravated inequity rule that allows you to, to modify that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's only three or four of those. And and adjusters have an incredibly difficult job. And 
uh, our experience has been, you know, sometimes I'll hear people th- kind of throw shade at, at adjusters saying, well, of course, they're trying to get extra money for the insurance company. I don't think hardly any of them really have any knowledge of how the work they do really impacts. Impact. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not malicious. You know, they're, they're incredibly overtaxed is what they are. That makes and, sense. and that's where we find agents have a, a huge role to play is to make the adjuster's job easier. So if I'm an agent out there wrapping this up, Kevin, what do you do? What, I mean, you're an actuary for, you know, you do all this stuff, you got this title, but I mean, you're very, very knowledgeable. And as on behalf of the loyal listeners, we greatly appreciate the knowledge that you spread with us. But hey, these, these loyal listeners are a lot like me. They do do work comp. They do work on big accounts. If they want to reach out, if they want to get some advice, I mean, what is your role? What is your company's role? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we train, educate, and mentor uh, agents in a workers' compensation process. Uh, we work with independent agents all over the country to help them implement a process. So we do have a designation, the Certified Work Comp Advisor, but that's really the beginning of of working with us. Where where we spend most of our time is after folks come through our program, they send us information for clients they're working on. If I opened up the drawer to my left, you would see, you know, a stack of, I don't know how many mod worksheets in total, including the banker's boxes. Uh, It's right at a thousand different uh, accounts that I've reviewed with advisors over the last number of years. And so we, we, you know, we dig deep into, you know, what, you know, are they classified correctly? Are there other classifications that might apply? All of this stuff we've talked about with the premium audit, uh, with, with injury management. I mentioned yesterday I had a conversation with someone about a change in classification on uh, construction estimators. So really, you know, once folks start working with us, we become their workers' comp help desk. We were talking about calling IT people before we got started. You know, just like you call uh, your computer pre- people when something's not working right. If you if you work with us, when you have you know uh, workers' comp risk and you have a question. Uh, you call, and if we don't know the answers, we know the people that do. And that's that's where we're focused, is actually helping people do what we teach. You know, So we're, right. we're in the education business, but we're much more in the helping you do business. Good for you, Kevin. Good for you. Um, it was other agents uh, who know that I'm part of the Killing Commercial program um, that actually sent me your information that was like, Hey, you got to check this guy out. So I've been following you for a while and I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, Kevin, I want to wrap this up with a couple questions this is where we like to get personal. So don't take it rude, but leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And I know you're a leader, so you must be a reader. What are you reading right now? Uh, so I'm reading two different things, one, uh, for fun and one for pleasure. Um, let me see. I've got my, what's the title of it? So, um, I'm a, I'm a strategic coach member. I don't know how many of your listeners are part of strategic coach. It's a fantastic program, uh, for entrepreneurs. Um, and, uh, so I'm reading, uh, free zone, stupid free zone frontier, uh, achieving competition, free growth and profit. It's one of their, uh, strategic coach books. Uh, very good stuff. About how to, uh, how to separate yourself in the marketplace. You know, people like to talk about, you know, how you don't have any competitors because, uh, you're so um, 
you're so unique. Uh, and then I'm reading uh, Jane Levy's bio of Sandy Koufax for a wow. book. Interesting uh, one. Sandy and, Koufax, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big baseball guy. Uh, my son plays baseball. We love our, our minor league team here in Asheville. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's quite fascinating. Uh, you know, it's, and, and really, I, I would say that there's something to be learned by reading biographies of great athletes. I don't know if you watched uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. Uh, yeah. on, right. So it's, it's the same thing. Like if, if you watch that thing about Jordan or if you read about Sandy Koufax and you see the drive that these people have, and it truly is different than regular people. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'm not suggesting that, that you, you know, you read a sports biography to make it a business book, but I do think there are business lessons to be Absolutely. learned. Uh, and, but it's, it's interesting because Koufax was decades and decades ahead of his time in terms of the biomechanics that all the pitchers are getting into. Now he knew all of that stuff in the fifties. We just didn't have high speed cameras to show it off like they do now. Gotcha sensories and all that all the sensors and stuff they could put on your body that makes right. sense and that was good too. reads man that was good too now when you're not reading you know sometimes people get their kicks on netflix they watch amazon prime and i don't know you sounds like you got a boo maybe you're watching hulu what exactly are you watching and what shows so the loyal listeners know uh i tell you recently my wife I, mean, I don't i don't watch a ton of tv unless i'm watching with my my wife so we always have to okay. find something to so what is uh, to compromise on so it's the great british baking show on netflix the Great yeah. British Baking Show. Yeah, you know, I'm not. Uh, it's not wow, terribly it. exciting, but it's uh, yeah, it's a cooking competition from from England. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's a, a nice way to mindlessly unwind for an hour or so before you go to bed. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I wanted, Kevin. I appreciate your time, man. Uh, um, I really, really, truly do. Thanks for what you do for insurance agents out there because they're, they're desperately needed. And I love the fact that you're actually training, but I actually like that you are mentoring. Um, my my program that I'm part of, Killing Commercially, does the same thing. And uh, I think that's what separates people like yourself, separates people like David, that it's just not, hey, come to our thing, learn all this and go home and then forget it all. You know what I mean? Like they actually... You're actually there. So good for you. I'm a, I'm a champion of the independent insurance agency system. Um, always will be. And people like yourself that are helping us out make us better, man. And I appreciate that. Well, I sure appreciate it. And I appreciate you again having me on. And, and I agree. I think we all are guilty of having things on our bookshelves, workshops we went to that are filled with notes and then nothing happens. And, you know, ultimately, you know, it's largely you know, wasted time and money and and we don't want to be in that business. Loyal listeners, I hope that you got something out of this. And I know that you know that I do what I do because I do it for you. And I tell you always from the very beginning, since 2012, 2013, tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Cass. He's Ring. And this is Agents Influence. And we're out.